0: John Miracle, La 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 Miracle, Fa La La Miracle. These are all documented names. Someone say, oh my. Can you just imagine on the first day of school? Um, Goodness is a big name. And and you know, that's precious. But some teenager might just try to disprove you on that. Come on, somebody. Um, Hale Miracle is another new name uh, that's come out in 2014 for a girl. Disney. And if your last name was Land, how beautiful would that be? Our world. um, But there you go. Some top male names for babies in 2014. Vader. Come on, people. Unless your first name is Darth, that is not going to work. And then um, another man's name is Rage. Rage. Who names their baby boy Rage? I'm just wondering how that baby was... But anyway, um, unless their first name is Road, Road Rage, or... Uh, yeah, the first name was Road, and then Rage, are Mesa and Messi. There was several Miss Leah that I wanted to read, but they had profanity in them, and I did not want to get stoned. But I will tell some of you, you know, sometimes the Hope House, we just let things slip when we're telling stuff. I'm going to tell them some of them names on Tuesday. But there was some there was some bad names out there. Um, but names are funny. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Genesis 35 and verse 16. It's speaking of Jacob then they journeyed from bethel and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her do not fear rachel you're going to have a son also this was important because rachel had been barren for many years she was very beautiful but she was barren, which shows that you can have a lot of good things going on in your life and bad t- bad things as well. And she had been barren. And she had had one son, I'm telling you, named Joseph. That had been a miracle after many years of barrenness. And But she named that son Joseph at another son. So when she named her first son, she was also decreeing she wanted another son. So the midwife said her, do not fear. You will have this son also. And verse 18, they'll bring up on the screen who just... Sounds so negative. And so it was. Someone saying, so it was. As her soul was departing, for she died, that she called this baby boy's name Ben-Oni. Ben-Oni. At least you don't have a dash in your name. Maybe you do. Ben-Oni. But his father. Someone say, but his father. Called him Benjamin. Powerful scripture. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Speak to us, sir. I pray that you would let the words come out that need to come out. Let them be removed that don't. But most of all, I pray you would open up the ears and the hearts of those listening. God, they got light on their plate from this morning, yesterday, and tomorrow. You know how our minds go, Lord. But if we'll just try to focus our thoughts, you'll help us speak to your people today, Lord. Speak and let your word go forth. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. God's Word is active. It is double A, and the, it's active and alive and energizing. And the image that's up there, I believe, is one that we used Wednesday night. And the image says that um, your life, something like this, is God's novel. Let him write it. Look to your neighbor and say, let God write it. Your Abba Father has naming rights. In this passage in the Old Testament, I'll, understand it, I'll help you understand this in a moment, the fathers had the last naming rights. They had to sign off. And this father chose to change this baby's name. Your heavenly father has naming rights. Your life is his novel. As we said Wednesday night, someday you and I will stand on the red carpet of eternity and they will ask us, how did you, Misty, get through the horrible time of just playing with numbers here? 2010, how did you survive that? Misty will not give credit to Clint Eastwood. Come on, someone. She will not give credit to Mel Gibson. She will not give credit to Steve. Steven Spielberg and all of his special effects. But when Misty stands before the throne room of God on that red carpet and people look at her and say, how did you survive that broken heart? How did you survive that trial? She will say, there's only one way I survived. And his name is the great I am that I am. Can you say amen this morning? God is, come on, give him a praise. God is writing your novel. Let him write it. Let your heavenly Father name some things in your life this morning like Jacob does. You see, the first time Jacob has just left Bethel in this passage. And the first time he went to Bethel, he had negotiated with God. And he had said, God, if you do this, I'll do that. God, if you'll do this, oh, I know you've negotiated with God. I remember one time my brother, it's a funny story. He told God he'd take down that Prince poster off his wall if he'd let him get on the football team. Come on, somebody. He was feeling a conviction about Mr. Prince. Now, the football team didn't work out, and and Daddy had to have a talk with him about that to understand that kind of thing. But there are seasons in our life we negotiate with God. But then the second time Jacob comes to Bethel, he builds an altar. Someone say he builds an altar. When you go from negotiation of God, if you bless me, I'll serve you. Because God's got a million people that are going to do it anyway. Come on, somebody. God's got people in the underground church that are going to serve him no matter what. I am not worthy to tie their shoes today, but I know my Abba daddy's got them. And when I get ready to negotiate with God, it's okay to say, God, bless me. But the bottom line is, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to obey you. No matter what it costs me. The second time Jacob came to Bethel, he built an altar He stopped negotiating with God, and an altar is a place where you just sacrifice. And you say, I'm yours, Lord. Whatever you say is right for my life, I receive it. Whatever you say is wrong for my life, I deny it. You see, there are things that we desire in life. Someone recently said to me, if this is wrong, why would I desire it? It's just coming to me. And I said, girl, you don't think I've desired some wrong things? Anybody want to wave a hand, let the angels take a snapshot? If we go by what we desire being right, we are all fools But the Bible says we have to look at his word. And you see, he builds an altar and he says, I sacrifice, I'm yours. My life belongs to you. You changed my name from Jacob, the deceiver, to Israel, prince of God. He who is triumphant with God. You've done all of this and I thank you. But right after the altar, someone say right after the altar, Rachel goes into early labor. And I want to tell you something ahead of the game today. I, I, people scare me that read the word and think everything's literal. That means when it says a woman carried a pot on her head across this creek, if you're crazy, then you go down to the creek and carry a pot too. Come on, someone. The Bible, it should not be literal in the sense that if someone read this and one of our pregnant girls or to be pregnant worries. The Bible gives you principles in this story about our heavenly father in every page of this holy and wonderful, alive, teeming with horrible and good stories. There's always principles about who God is and who he should be in your life. Can you say amen? So in this situation, I'm going to teach you how to rename some things in your life in the past. And today, Jacob... Rachel goes into hard labor, and it shows that in the good of happening in Jacob, he's been renamed to Israel. He's, his, his herds have been increased. His family's been increased. His beautiful wife, the interesting thing, Jackie, it never really says Jacob loved God, but he did. But it says he sure loved Rachel. He worked for her for 14 years. He loved that girl. He loved her with all of her heart, but here she goes into birthing a second son. His other wife, Leah, has given many sons, but here's Rachel Giving birth to the second child to Jacob, the woman that he truly loves with all of his heart, and when she's in labor, all of the sudden something bad happens. She is dying, and she knows it. And she names that son. Someone say she names that son. She names that son what she's going through in that moment. How many times do we do that? We name something because of what we're going through in that moment. We name things without the Father, heavenly Father's naming right, Sherry, and going back and renaming. We name something wrong. And she says, Benoni, he is the son of my sorrow. And she was right, it was sorrowful to her. She would never watch him grow up, but the truth of the matter that we take out of this scripture, that in our life, there is always good going on and always bad. Can I get an amen? Rick Warren wrote something years ago. I have tried to find it, if anyone can find it. You know, back when people would email you, like if you go sit at McDonald's, needles are gonna stick in your butt in a little ball. You know those things, those urban legends. I'm sorry, backside, I shouldn't have said that word. But anyway, you know those, there was a thing that Rick Warren wrote about two train tracks going in your life at all time good. Everyone say good and bad. It's true. Listen, everything might be going great at work, but it'll be funky at home. Can I get an amen? Everything might be going great at home, but it'll be funky at work. You see in your life, there's always good. And we, and pastor teased me because I always say it's all good. And I don't mean it's all good because it is not. Someone say it is not. Come on. Everybody say, if you work with me, we'll get out of here quicker. It'll be fabulous. Say it is not all good. It's not. But when I say it, I'm too spiritual sometimes. I mean, God's going to work it for my good because I believe I have to decree and establish that over it. But the truth of the matter is in life, there is triumphs at moments and there is trouble. And if you think because you're having trouble that God has forgotten you, you are wrong. There are moments you're having great joy but you're having great sadness. You're having great victory, but you're having adversity. When God gives us the verse of Romans 8 and 28, he was assuring us. When he said all things, someone say all things. All things are going to work for my good means some things are not going to be good. Look at your neighbor and say, some things are not going to be good. Brandy, life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. If you wait for life to be perfect, if you say, well, I'm going to smile when life gets perfect. Baby, you ain't never going to smile. If you say, I'm going to wait and be happy when life is perfect, you're never going to be happy. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? If you say, I'm going to have peace when everything gets perfect. If you wait for it, it will never, ever happen. But if you say, my life doesn't have to be perfect. I'm going to tell you a man was fussing about how much. Josh said his son was costing him. His son was going to university. His son needed a new car. His son needed all of this. And this man was saying, oh, it's so expensive. And he was telling another man that he had met at an airport. And the other man said, I don't know what you're talking about. My son is not expensive at all. My son costs me nothing today. And the other man said, well, please, you know, tell me how that's happened for you. He said, my son is dead. My son is in heaven. Today, my son cost me nothing but how I would give my last penny to have him back in my life. What does that mean for you and I? It means life is wonderful. If you're breathing and you're living and you have a home to go to and you have shelter and you have food, you are already living so high above the third world country. Somebody give God praise in this house. It doesn't have to be perfect God is measuring your pain. He is measuring Jacob's pain. He is measuring the loss. He is drying and catching every tear. But God is going to fulfill the order of our life. And the wonderful thing is that when, when Rachel went into labor, they called the midwife. I've never watched that show. Has anybody ever watched the show, called the Midwife? I just figured it would make me so angry and all that. But anyway, they called the midwife. And the beautiful thing about it is, you and I in many moments of our life need someone wiser than us. Can I get an amen? Someone bolder than us. Someone who is farther down the trail than us. We need spiritual midwives. That midwife said, Rachel, the son is coming. He is not going to die. We need spiritual midwives in our life that'll say, I know you're hurting right now. I know you think it's all over. I know you think this is the battle that's gonna I know you think this is the sorrow that's going to crush you or this is the hard pressure at work. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I know that's what work is saying. I know that's what your circumstance is saying. But a spiritual midwife comes along and says, you're stronger than you think you are. A spiritual midwife comes along and Israel had spiritual midwives that came along in Zephaniah 3 and 16. A spiritual midwife by the name of Zephaniah says to Israel and every one of us, cheer up, O Zion, for the Lord has arrived to live among you. He rejoices over you with singing. The Lord is a mighty savior. Can you say amen? There was a spiritual midwife by the name of Zephaniah who showed up in Zephaniah 3 and 20 and told a people, whose name had been ruined all over the earth. All over the earth, Israel's name had been had been absolutely torn down. If they'd had the internet, it'd been all over the internet. If they'd had TV, it'd been all over TV. But world, word traveled that the people of God, not only had sinned or disobeyed or coming under attack, and all this had happened, but a spiritual midwife said, the Lord says even to you now, everyone say now, I will give you a good name, a name of distinction and I, the Lord, will restore your fortune. Anybody give the Lord a hand clap because you need a fortune restored. Isaiah and Jeremiah came along as spiritual midwives and said to Israel, sitting on the floor, awake in Isaiah 52. Get up off the floor. Shake the dust off of your clothes. Stand up and sit down in a dignified place. You are not a beggar. You are not a slave. But you are the people of God. And thank God for the Holy Spirit in your life and my life who will say to us you are not a slave, you are not a servant, the Lord is with you. Thank God for the people who wrote the New Testament Paul and Peter who said that your glory shall be equal to your suffering can I get an amen? Spiritual midwives that preach through the word that's why I love to digest this thing. You think that we who digest it are holy? No ma'am and no sir. I am merely desperate for a spiritual midwife to say you got more purpose than what it's looking like now hold on son of God hold on daughter of God the Lord is going to rebuild you restore you give you a good name and do more in your future than you can imagine somebody give God a praise in this house I love that the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep in Genesis and he hovers over us saying what needs to be rebuilt today as we said Wednesday night we'll go on to the next one what needs to be restored What needs to happen here? And that's what the midwife is saying. And as Rachel breathes her last, she named him. She named him. She named him Ben Onai. Onai means sorrow, but it's a little more complicated. Um, Onai is ambiguous. He can have two different meanings. It can mean sorrow and it can mean strength. How crazy is that? Most commentators interpret it as sorrow, but it can mean strength. But Jacob is saying, don't name this child out of the pain of the moment. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I, don't name seasons in your life out of the pain that was in it. Name your seasons by the Father's naming right. And we'll get to that in a moment, but say amen. Isn't it interesting that nigh can mean sorrow and strength? I mean, they're diametrically opposed, but are they really And one of my three simple points this morning is this. Here's the first one. It makes no sense that the same word would mean strength and sorrow. But maybe those things are not so diametrically opposed. Because number one, what if great strength is only born out of sorrow and struggle? Can I get an amen? Perhaps the strongest people you know in your life. I'm ready for that next image. The strongest people you know in your life are the people that have been through intense struggle. Can I get an amen? This image says, I'm thankful for my struggle. I'm thankful. Can you say I'm thankful? Come on, everyone say I'm thankful for my struggle. You got to call it what it is. Because without it, I wouldn't have stumbled across my strength. Without The struggle, I wouldn't have stumbled across my strength. You see, struggles and trials and the hard places in our life, we can either let them rule us or we can let our faith rule them. You can say to your trial, trial, you may be making me cry. You may be making me doing all kinds of things. You may be trying to keep me on the floor, keep me sobbing in my pillow, this hard place that I'm going through. You may think you have the last word with my life, but I'm going to tell you something. God says in Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the Living Bible, I know the end I have for you. That means that there's an end to every struggle. Come on, someone. There's an end to every trial. There's an end to every hardship, and what you can say to your struggle and you can say to your trial is, you know what? I could endure you and not get the lesson. I could escape you and not become what God wants me to be. But instead, this hard place, hard place at work, hard place at home, this struggle, this overwhelming burden, whatever that looks like for you and I today, that place of lack instead of a lot, I can say, you know what, struggle? I'm going to tell you this. You're going to wish that you had never messed with me. Because when I get to the appointed place of glory, since the glory will be equal to the suffering, when I get out, I'm not going to drive there. on a bicycle. Come on, somebody. I'm going to drive in a chauffeured limousine, and when I get to the place God has called me, oh, you may not be able to see it because the glory doesn't show up the way Kardashians show it. Come on, somebody. The glory doesn't show up like Skibby-Doo, Dobby-Doo, and Debbie-Doo, whoever they all are. I don't know. The glory doesn't show up that way, but when I get to the other place, when you get to the other place of this hard place, when you get out, you tell your struggle, you tell your trial, you get out, you open the back door for me, and I'm going to get out and hold my head up, and I'm going to say, the glory shall be equal and greater than the struggle. So when I get out, I'm going to hold my head up high. I'm going to strut, and I'm going to tell you, you thought you were controlling my life. You may have been driving the car of the situation, but I know that the great I am that I am is the one that owns the highway, and when he says this thing is done, I shall come out as gold and you will see that God is with me. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You see because we know at that time what you say then. When people people I hear people ask people they've asked me when I'm out and it's okay, you know, how did you learn to do this? How did you learn for anything? And I always say we was not at a school. It wasn't at a university. Although I went to Lee, it wasn't this or that. It was in my struggle. So you know what? You can tell your struggle and you tell your trial. I'm going to put you on my resume. And when people see God use me, and I don't mean like raising the dead, but that's awesome and wonderful and I mean that. But just loving people and continue to do the work of God, whatever that looks like for you, when they see that and say, how in the world can she do that? I'm going to say, I'm going to put first on my resume struggle and trial. And you know what? Struggle and trial, people are not going to run from you. They're going to run to you. And you are going to hate that you ever messed with this man or woman of God. Give God a praise today. It's true. It's true. Jesus, who is more mightier than Jesus? Who else? Who else? can go to the cross and then go to the grave and then when he resurrects from the tomb have the presence of mind to tidy up his linens. I mean it was a prophetic call too but to tidy up his linens because he just had a little spare time so he folded his burial garments right there in the tomb. Who else is more powerful or has more authority? Who else could but Jesus take the public spectacle of the enemy, take every devil in hell and bring him to the center of the earth and make a public spectacle, the book of Corinthians, over them. Try over them, who else but Jesus, who's coming back on a white horse? Can I get an amen? Who else but Jesus has that kind of strength? Who else but Jesus will someday judge the living and the dead? Who else but Jesus is coming to and establish a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Who else? Nobody has more power than Jesus. Nobody is strong as Jesus. But Isaiah, when he went to describe him in Isaiah 53, he said he was a man acquainted with sorrows and full of grief. But that grief and that sorrow gave power to Jesus that God has given Him a place above every name and given the name of Jesus at the right hand of God Almighty. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. So you know what? He renames His crucifixion, resurrection. What do you need to rename this morning? Rename your sorrow or your struggle strength for tomorrow. Rename it today But Jacob, it says, the midwife and and Rachel say, name him Benoni. It says, has your dying wish. And Jacob says, name him Benjamin. How rude, how rude can a daddy be? And the midwife says, excuse me, her dying wish. But see, her dying wish was to name that child Benoni. But he says, no. Number two, Jacob refused to name this child's destiny according to a moment in the child's history. Somebody just lift your hand and say, thank you, Abba Daddy. Your Abba Father refuses to name me. And you, something in my history. He refuses to name me according to a moment that I failed. It might not mean anything to you because you're a bunch of perfect people, but I've not been perfect. To know that he refuses to name me according to my history, See, Jacob wouldn't do it. It does not say, and this is important for where we're going to close in a few minutes. It does not say how much time passed, Nicole, between the time that she said, Benoni, and he said, Benjamin, which encourages me and you, angel, today. That it doesn't matter how much time, we're going to take a journey in a moment and give you an opportunity privately, to rename things on your journey what God names them because the Father has naming rights. At some point, Jacob saw by his faith. This image that they're bringing up says Christ's followers aren't called to go by certainty. We are called to walk by faith. We're not called. If Jacob had gone by certainty, by what he saw with his natural senses, And if you and I look at things in our life and in the past and we name them or the present that we're going through with our natural senses, we, but it doesn't take anything to call that. You call it what it is because, oh, I just, you know, you hear, but I just call it what it is. I mean, I've said it too. You, you know, you all said it, lift your hand. You know, you've, I just call him what he is. I just call this what it is. I call me what it is. It takes no faith to call something what it is. It takes faith to call it what it can be what it can be. Number three, my third, and then I'm going to venture on to a little bit, my third point. People may recommend names for you and I, but ultimately our heavenly father has to sign off of it and improve it. He has to sign off of it. Jacob had the naming rights. Your are Father. they may have labeled you hopeless. They may have labeled you worthless. They may have labeled you coward. And, and maybe you're like me and I had godly people around me, Leah, godly. That encouraged me, but I had I had teachers that just really, if I had gone on what they thought of me, y'all, I'd be living over there in the ditch today, eating crumbs, because they thought I'd never make anything out of my life. They didn't think I was smart enough. They thought I was distracted, which I was. I always wanted to form a social club and still doing an educational, and I was. They thought all those things, and they didn't really say it, but I could feel it in their tone. Do you ever feel in people's tone what they don't say with the words? That disapproving look, that disapproving feeling. We've all had that, but they implied it in their treatment or their acceptance and rejection of who we are. There was people that rejected me, even at leave. People that rejected me because I was divorced. People that rejected me because they didn't like how I looked. People that rejected me because of this. But the bottom line is we've got to peel those labels off of us. Say, peel it off. Look at your neighbor and say, peel it off. Because only the heavenly Father has naming rights over you and I. Only our Abba Father gets to tell us who we are. Our theme song that you'll hear for Wednesday night, but you'll hear as you're leaving today, I love it. It's by Cody Carnes and Carrie Job. It says, he whispers in my ear, tells me that I'm fearless. He shares a melody, tells me to repeat it, and it makes me whole. It reminds my soul. I'm all he says I am. I am all he says I am. And he says, I am his own. Say, I am. His own powerful thing that only our Abba Father can label us. You see, Jacob was hurting Jackie. He loved Rachel. He loved her. He loved her. How many of you men waited 14 years for your wife? Come on now. Now, Pastor Hank did pray for three years for me while I was off dating any other godly man I could. But this was 14 years. He worked for her. He loved her. But he refused in this moment of loss, say in a moment of loss... Jacob refused to name this child what he felt and what he saw. Why is this important? It's important, Josh, because when you look at Jacob's life, God had renamed him. That's what gives me strength to rename people. When we first started this church, everyone that came up, I've told you before, it was just so cute. You'd meet someone on the breezeway and Pastor Mike say, Man of God! you know, uh, who you say to Keith Dudley or Ive, you don't know Keith yet, you should. He writes songs with Carrie Underwood. Yes. He's our brother, our best friend. And he's promised to come to Hope House. And he's promised to come to Harvest. But um, he's on the road, writing songs, Vince Gill, you name it. Anyway, he's got his own stuff too. But Keith would laugh because Pastor Hank would encourage when Keith would come to preach, he'd say, Keith Dudley, check this hand of this man of God. And the next one, check this hand of this woman of God. And Keith said later, How in the heck does he know they're a man of God or a woman of God? They look like they are just stank to me. I don't get it. You know, and it's funny because I I realized to me that Pastor Hank, like the Lord, and I've learned to learn to speak that high calling over people, to call them something they were not, like Jesus called everyone in the New Testament, so they would become the way he saw them. We have a tendency to speak over ourselves less instead of speaking higher things. Can you say amen? And James Jacob had been renamed. God had named him from trickster and deceiver to one who triumphs with God, showing that if you've only tricked and deceived people your whole life, God can change you and rename you. Jacob had had his name changed. When you have your name changed, I've had my name changed in a greater way. I've learned how to rename people. You learn how to see things in people that no one can see the good. You learn to redeem it. I mean, there only may be an ounce. Can I get an amen? There may be an ounce of an ounce of an ounce of an ounce. Come on, somebody. But you learn to speak to that ounce. Look at your neighbor and say, learn to speak to that ounce. Josh, if you'll come and help me and play, we're coming to the end. But you see, Jacob had renamed places. He renamed this place called Loserville. Someone say Loserville. He renamed it Bethel which means house of God, meaning heaven can show up in a situation regardless how hell thinks it is. Did you know you can be going through hell and you can say, I know God is with me. I know angels around me. Some of the highest moments of hell, personally, attacks I've gone through or mistakes I made in my past that were literally hell to me, God would show up and angels would show up. He renamed renamed a place Mahanaim. Try to say that four times real fast. And that was a place where he saw the angels of God. He renamed another place, the face of God. He figured if God can rename me, I can rename places. And I can rename this child. And for you and I, it means I can rename a situation. What did he rename him? Well, Ben still means son. Everyone say son. But Jamin, he took out the dash. Sometimes you just got to take the dash out. Come on, people. We concentrate too much on the dash. Now, there's that great teaching about the dash, but I'm not talking about that, but I mean... Just that dash in our personal life. Jamin means son of my right hand. He named at this point of loss, at this point of pain, at this point of struggle, at this point of despair. He said, I'm renaming this son of my right hand. Jacob had struggled his whole life to get that right hand blessing that his father could get. It shows that in a situation that others would call a curse in your life. The God that people would call a curse in my life, you and I have the power to reach. Re- re- I get it. Reach our right hand over that situation. Say, you know what? You may call this the worst moment of my life, but I tell you what, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it, God's going to redeem this. I'm going to call it a future blessing that you cannot see. Can I get an amen from someone? I'm going to rename this. I'm going to, it's time for me, Jacob was saying, it's time for me to use my power in renaming things to call something a blessing in my life that all it looks to other people is a cursing. I'm going to call him Benjamin. I'm going to call this a blessing. I'm going to call it. You can call it what you want. Look at your neighbor and say, call it what you want. Sometimes it's important for you to call it what God says it is, because it takes no faith to call it what you want, what it is. But to call it what you want it to be takes faith. Maybe it's important what you call a season in your life for what it can become. Maybe a hard season you can call a learning season. Maybe attack you can call the victory that God gave. Maybe your own personal demise that you had, you can call. Maybe other people, bad treatment of you, you can call a lesson you learned never to treat anybody that way. Can I get an amen? This is good teaching this morning. I can call that because it's the Word. Whether I'm presenting it right or not, it's the Word. I'm going to call that. I'm going to call today in this hard place, a blessed place. Sometimes we just wait till we get on the other side or till God redeems it. But maybe it's time to rename it. Jacob renamed it. Not soon, not long after that. Benjamin. Benjamin. Take the dash out. Maybe it's important for what it can be because, listen, guess who came out? You're going to love this, sisters. You'll love this, brothers. Guess who came out of the tribe of Benjamin? Moses gave a prophecy over the tribe of Benjamin. What if it had stayed the name sorrow? Would he have said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in your safety, Benjamin. The Lord shall shelter you all day long, and you shall dwell between the Lord's shoulders. What a powerful promise that God says to each one of us from the moments of our sorrow. We shall dwell between the shoulders of the most high God. From the moments of our struggle. From the moments of our trial. From the moments where it was too hard and no one could understand us. The Lord will shelter us all day long. Someone give him a praise right now before I've come down to the end of this. Guess who came out of the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, I dare you to guess one of the greatest womans that we've recently studied for a long time. Esther, Esther came out of the tribe of Benjamin. Mm. It's good that Jacob called it what God wanted to be called. How could a son of sorrow ever give? But if he had lived with that his whole life, what would have changed that whole tribe? What would have changed their perception, their self-esteem? How would they live? They would have lived like slaves. We just got to live in sorrow Mordecai the great man who saved her cousin who trained her up who said who knows what the Lord called you for such a time as this what if Mordecai he was a Benjamin the Apostle Paul who wrote half of the New Testament whose words us preachers and many other pilgrims we just pour I read Paul's words about every day oh I just love his words he suffered so much but he lived so victoriously for Jesus He was a Benjamin. I wonder what's waiting to come out of Rhonda Davis's places I've not renamed, that I'm still naming tragedy. I'm still bitter about. That's the bad thing, ain't it? I'm still talking about me. You get around me an hour, I'm just playing here, making myself the target so you don't feel bad. What if every time you get around me, I'm still talking about that place and I've not renamed it? I've not named it the time when God, that spot, if not for God, I would have never survived. That spot, that spot in our life. We wait for our circumstance to change so we can bless. But God, what if God is saying to you and I this morning, I want you to pronounce a blessing over every circumstance in your past and today, and call it what you want. Change that name. You see, Adam, you can't you can't name things unless you made it. Adam was given the authority to name every Adam, every animal in the garden. God created, but he gave him naming rights. Adam didn't create it, but God said, I'm the father. I'm the creator of all things. I'm the one that, at the end of every creation day. I said, it is good. And God pronounced a father's blessing over the zebra and the giraffe, the hyena, the hip waddler, the, the alligator. God said, it is good. And God gives us the right to pronounce that blessing as a child of God. We get to choose what we can name it. You and I don't get to choose everything that ever came into our life, it's impossible. But we get to choose to name that thing, name that thing. Ironically, before I finish, I'm almost to the end, Brandy Love, I ran into Dean Paul Duncan. I don't know if you know him, but he used to be over at the home for children. My mother was his assistant for many years up there at Lee University at Perkinson. They not been around mama since Alzheimer's, so we had to work that through. But we began to talk and I said, well, do you know Brandy Love? And he said, oh, I don't remember if I remember that name. I've been gone for 10 years. I said, well, maybe not. I said, you know, Anita need Yes, 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 yes. So I began to tell Brandy's story and how God has used her and her purpose and how the Lord has used her to bless and to do things. And, and then he began to tell me about this home that this girl is building. And Paul Duncan said, I'm on the board. Rhonda, you need to be involved. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the girl's name? He said, Suzanne. I said, that is my cousin. That's my cousin, Suzanne. That's Janet, Daniel's daughter. And I know exactly who you're talking about. It's amazing when we come to realize, and as we were talking, we were talking about situations that come into girls' life at the home for children or these unwed mothers we build or our queen for a day. We began to talk about queen for a day. How we can't choose the circumstances that come into our life, but we can choose what we name it. Somebody give hand clap of praise to God. Listen, it is discouraging. We do feel alone. It's okay. I'm not calling hyper faith. I ain't sick. I ain't sick. I ain't sick while you're vomiting your head off. I'm not calling for that. It is disturbing and lonely. There are hard moments. We do go through hell. There are things that break our our hearts. But we need to learn to call it what it is. You know what? Not call it what it is. Help me. Say not. Call it what it is. Because if we just keep calling it what it is, it will always be that. Or, 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 someone say, or, or, we can begin to call it what. God calls it, and then it can become something new. We can't change the situation, but we can call it peace. We can call it joy. We can call it cleansed. We can rename it and give it good thoughts and let it give God praise. Give him one more hand clap, and I've got one more thing to say to you. Whoa, give him a big hand clap. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful, Father. Thank you, Father. It's wonderful that He can rename situations. And we can rename things the place I learned to live. The Bible says something very powerful two verses down. And I want you to listen to this in 35 and 20. And it said, After Rachel died, Jacob set up a pillar. Everyone say a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. He set up a pillar, meaning that he didn't deny it had happened. He set up a pillar. Someone needs to set up a pillar this morning. I don't deny this happened in my life. When he set up a pillar in her grave, he was saying, this cost me everything. I don't deny it. I set up a pillar in, of what happened. I set up a pillar of my pain, a, a moment that I remember these things that I went through. I'm not denied it. I might cry and I might cry all day, but help me God, if I don't get up and get my head up out of that pillow, And give a rooster crow. Come on, somebody, and give a rooster crow. You know what I'm saying from Wednesday night. Give a rooster crow and say, you know what? It's a new day. It's a new dawn. Only Michael Bublé doesn't have that revelation, people. It is a new day. It is a new dawn. It is a new mercy. It is new long sufferings of God Almighty. And you see, it says He set up a pillar. But the next thing it says, Jacob. Everyone say Jacob. Jacob set up the pillar the deceiver, the trickster. The Bible gives them that name here. But verse 21, it said, but Israel moved on. Israel moved on. It's time that you and I set up, oh, I feel God in this house. We set up a pillar over things, situations that could have destroyed us, abuse, neglect, hard times things that we send and we send big we need to set up a bill we lost relationships we lost people we lost all kind of things but the bible says israel the one who was triumphant with god journeyed and moved on and pitched his tent somewhere else so everyone stand in this house today it's time to move on give god a praise before we pray over you come on give him a big praise in this house Give your Father a praise in this house. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now, right where you stand, every eye closed, just felt impressed to end this this way. As your eyes are closed, I I don't believe everything can happen in this moment. I so believe in altars of sacrifice, but those aren't usually altars at the front of church. They're altars in your living room, your bedroom, your car, your bathroom, washing clothes. Those places where you just make things right with God. I feel some of us in this room as you're listening, as I'm I'm following the Holy Spirit as best I can, you need to make an altar sacrifice somewhere and just say, God, no more negotiating. I'm yours. Whatever that cost me, I'm yours. Then I think there's all of us, that there's some places in our past that we would have to take an hour of meditation and worship to travel through every one of those places. But there may just be one place that comes to your mind. I don't want anyone to have to relive a visual of sin. Just maybe see a season, a tear, a loss, a sorrow, a struggle, a trial. Maybe going through it right now. Maybe your whole life you feel like it's been that way. And God just says, as your eyes are closed, listen to the Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is just wooing through me to say He's hovering over you. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. He's hovering over you to help you to rename. He is your midwife, if it were. To rename some places. To call some places blessing that everyone else would call curse or hard. Or the thing that almost took you out. He wants you to rename them today. He wants you, if it were in a moment, to raise your hand and praise Him for that that season. To thank Him for that thing. To give Him praise for that situation. But to speak a blessing. As your eyes are closed, we're going to do that in a moment. But I encourage you sometime to find that altar with God by yourself somewhere. Just kneel down, lay down, stand up, walk. It don't matter. We're not religious here. But just say, help me, Father. Help me to start speaking and changing the name of every circumstance, even when I'm going through. For us that are going through so much like today, we're going to call it the time of plenty. The time we had plenty of faith, plenty of joy. We had food to eat. For whatever that situation is, I want you to get a season or thought in your mind. And just with eyes closed, if you were, mine are closed too. Would you just lift one hand if you can or just lift your heart to heaven? Father, we thank you that you are our heavenly father. If Jacob was wise enough to rename that son, not from a moment of his history, but a moment of his future, how much more shall you, Father? Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for renaming us. I thank you for helping us to rename situations. You have given us naming rights, Father, for you created all things and got everything the enemy intended for evil. You will work for good. Everything that was meant for harm, you will work for blessing. Every mistake Rhonda has made, every sin in the past, every time I fell down, got back up, fell down, got back up. Lord, you can use that as a time that I learned how to trust in you. Lord, for all of us that have maybe through tone and in fluctuation from school teachers or even parents in their weakness our seasons our friends or our own self-worth, the voice we spoke to ourselves in and we've named our own self, that's the hardest voice to throw off. I pray, Lord, right now we receive your word, that we are accepted in the beloved, we are beloved, we are cared for, we are delightful to you. And Lord, that we would rename that season and you would show us how to do it, Father. Now with your hands lifted and your eyes closed, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would sink this word deep into your people's heart. Lord, that you would show them how to make it plain. God, that they would rename themselves, God. Lord, let nothing else name them, Father, but let them be named by you. You have naming rights. You are the most high God. Jesus is the name above all names. You created the earth and all that is within it. We need to learn to speak your blessing. I pray my brothers and sisters would speak blessings on days that cursing would not come out of their mouth toward themselves, their spouse, their children, their friends, their situation, their cars, their money, but we would speak blessings, God. Lord, it may look foolish to others. We're not denying the fact, but we speak what the Word says for power of life and death is in the tongue. So Lord, let us choose to speak. This is going to be a blessed day. Let me serve you today, God. This is going to be a blessed week. No matter what it looks like, God, help us to rename those things, Father those things those things just grab a hand of a person on your right or left if you can and just let's pray for them before we go yes father father I'm praying for this hand that I'm holding I'm praying for divine connection God I'm praying for strength Lord I'm praying for them to have wisdom God to rename places in their life and seasons Lord That you would do what only you can do, God. That you would wash away what needs to be washed away. You would cleanse what needs to be cleansed. And you would just give them that beautiful name of distinction and honor, Lord. And give them the courage to rename some things, God. And to be very purposeful Lord. Lord forgive us for the times we just I just call this like it is but Lord help us that doesn't take any faith to call it what it can be. We may not see what it can be but help us to speak it by faith in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for your seated just for a moment just for a moment. Just be seated for one moment. We give you an opportunity to worship the Lord, an offering. Um, And this is the time that you choose to give to God. You know the drill. I don't say the drill or the opportunity. You know the opportunity.